welcome guys and glad to be with you on this episode. I am Alexandra Nyamoyavoyi. This episode is about Tigerio and we're talking about mental health and how sports bring strength in an amazing way. My guest is Innocent Quizera, a random Ugandan young man who lives and breathes basketball our overall everything sports. His story needs to be heard and do not be fooled by his demeanor. He keeps laughing when talking about real stuff. How did I meet the guy? For Instagram. Yes, I stumbled upon his company's account and I was intrigued to see a Rwandan teaching children basketball in India. I needed to know more. Innocent is the founder and managing director of Hoops Genesis, a sports academy and an event company located in Bangalore, India. His passion, besides the Lord, is about building community and I can't wait to see what it will look like in five to ten years. I love how many connections I am making in the sports industry, especially via this podcast. It is changing the way I see the future of sports. There are stories I hear and I can't believe them the one sharing them, but it's definitely clear for me that I'm becoming more and more a cheerleader no matter the sports or the project. I hope this will be the same for you. You may be a sports fanatic or just someone who enjoys listening to inspirational stories. Welcome to Sportive Podcast. Let me invite you to follow Hoops Genesis and Football Genesis on Instagram and YouTube and support the team in any way you can. As for me, I have officially launched Sportive Limited, a sports management company. If you'd like to hear and to know more about the company and myself, don't hesitate to contact me on Instagram via Sportive Podcast or Alex Nboyi on Twitter as well or for the real serious ones on LinkedIn. Let's change the world of sports together. At last, Sportive Podcast is on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe, follow, leave a comment, give the pod a five-star review. Take care. Sportive, Sportive with uh, Innocent Quizera. I'm saying this in a French Curandy way, right? Alors, American will say Innocent Quizera. That's <laughs> How do you say it in a... Uh, I don't know, Rondi's. I don't know. Who's so, not li- <laughs> so I used to call my, you know, I used to say my name, you know, you know, we feel like we're modernized, right? So we modernize our names. <clears throat> so I told my grandma, I was playing a board and I told my grandma, my name is Quizera. I mean, Quizera. In fact, I said, it, my name is Quizera. And my grandma is like, what are you saying? She wanted to slap me. Huh? <laughs> it's like, your name is Quizera. I'm like, my goodness, yes. I haven't had this before. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Quizera. Yeah. I'll kick Quiz. you, man. I'm so for me, I'm like Quizera. Joking. I was just like, huh? <laughs> the name is Quizera Inosa. Quiz. I'm like, uh, Grandma, it doesn't go like that. No. Quizera. Ask, ask me, repeat after me. Quizera. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Grandma. <laughs> Let's go back to the basics, man. That's great. So for those who don't know how to say yeah, Quizera. Uh, it's Quizera, you know. Exactly. People manage to say Schwarzenegger and they'll manage to say Nyamoya and they'll say, and they'll manage to say Alexandra and Boyi. It's okay. So before we go into, uh, it, because you're located in India, for those who don't know yet, who are you, Monsieur Innocent? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, <clears throat> that's a heavy, deep question. Who am I? Uh, I'm a child of God. That's what I say. I'm a citizen of the world. But most important, I'm, uh, <clears throat> my name is Innocent Quizera, <laughs> as my grandmother would say, uh, from Rwanda, born and raised uh, a few countries, including Uganda, uh, mainly Uganda and Rwanda. <clears throat> I've done a few works in different other countries, but uh, I'm a son 
to a lady called Murunji Florence, who is she's uh, who is Murunji, like seriously. She's called Murunji. Murunji. Okay, so Murunji Florence, you know, for those of you know, Murunji means beautiful, right? So yeah, she's she's deceased, but I take pride in in trying to complete everything that she does. I'm trying to be everything that she was, but I don't think I'm able to reach there. So yeah, in short, you know, St. Quizera from Rwanda, son to Florence Morunji, uh, trying to be the best version of himself. Let us start with acknowledging the mother because we know the power of influence of all mothers in our lives. Uh, who's she then? If you're trying to accomplish things that she, she was able to do. She was able to. I mean, from, of course, from what I saw and from mm -hmm. the stories that I, I keep getting every day, I'll say humanitarian, the person that was doing things for the betterment of other people, not herself, wanted to see the community develop and grow. And she was able to raise many different people from all walks of life, no matter the tribe, no matter the religion. She was able to sort of have an orphanage of her own. I don't want to call it an orphanage as such, but a home for people that are kicked out from wherever they are kicked out, or those who don't have where to live. 18, 19, 20 years old, six years old, no matter the age. And she was doing that from her own pocket. <clears throat> so she basically was providing a roof for most of the people that needed it. You know, over the years as I grow, I keep meeting different people. Some people are ministers in, in, in different countries like Rwanda, who I meet and first thing they do is hug, hug me and, you know, hold me, hold me tight. And they're like, you don't understand what your mother did for me. And... Uh, you need to understand where you come from to be able to be the man that you need to be because your mother represented so much more. I am here because your mother actually did something great for me and we are many. And it's funny because they don't just hug me and hold me, but they actually hug me and cry. It happened to mm -hmm. me last year in January when I was in Kigali. I met someone whose name I won't say, but she's a, <clears throat> she's a former minister, but again, current in government. She saw me and cried and just held me for 30 minutes and she was just crying. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, your mother mm -hmm. made me who I am. So I've met a couple of people like that over the years. It always brings me back to understanding that I need to, I need to represent her the right way. And I think most of the life blessings and the chances I've gotten is big simply because I think these are my mother's blessings. A number of people have told me that. So yeah, I, again, my mother was, I was just a humanitarian trying to do things that uh, I feel like she could have done better for herself, but she ended up putting in most of her time for other people. So that's my mother. Obviously, at this point, I think we all know what uh, the history uh, for the for the past thirty years what happened in yeah. Rwanda. Yeah. Obviously, you said that you you were born there. No, I was born Rwanda. in Uganda. Actually, you, sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Born, born in Uganda. Did you get to to see at some point what was uh, the disaster of that history of that genocide? Did you get to in to understand at this point because obviously you grew up. You, at some point you grew up in Rwanda, but you left the country. Do you feel like you're connected to the history or you're like more like, I don't get it? Personally, I get it because I also have people who are like my best friends who for them, they lived it firsthand, right? Like that specific day in question, the first day that was April um, 7th, if I'm not mistaken, 94. Uh, I have a friend of mine, she works in the US now and uh, she's one of my best friends. And she gave me the account of everything that happened that day. I always feel like I was blessed enough to actually be out of the country at the time. But again, it always brings me back. Like, I always get flashbacks. It's weird because I wasn't there during the time, the 100 days. Mm. But I feel like I live 
I again lived it, you know, through my friends and also my family, right? Many of my mm -hmm. family members, my cousins, uh, many of them are born and raised there and they went through that time. Uh, we lost a few relatives, but it, it's, it's, always, it's always sad for me because some of my best friends actually lost their direct fathers and mothers, you know, and sisters. And, you know, on their eyes. So I'm, I'm always connected. And this specific event affects everything that I do in my life. Because everywhere that I go, it's the one thing that when I tell people I'm from Rwanda, oh, the genocide, you know? Mm. And I have to represent and speak and teach. I have to represent both sides because in this whole thing, I don't have a side. I don't have a side, you know, trying to favor, but I try to speak on it based on what I know. Again, acknowledging the lives that were lost in that period. And it, it affects me so much. That's the, that's the most weird and interesting part of it. One of the reasons why I, I, I talk about this is because not only is it's a part of history that is not like 60 years ago, we were part of, I was six at a time, but um, in Burundi, there was, a, there was a similar, there is still a similar problem going on. <clears throat> but I remember when Rwanda went down, we knew, and I was so young, and you could, you could sense, you didn't know what it was, but you could sense some kind of unrest. And we did have some video, I, I, I still have in my back of my mind, like videos of people being um, killed in Rwanda, and you're like, oh, good Lord, we're next, you know. It really stuck with me that for people who've been through all of this stress, we do see the future differently, or the moment yep. we, 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 we step up and we, we see a challenge, I do believe that we, we deal with those challenges so differently. And I'm like, come on, I've, we've been through this. And people here, friends here, they're like, Alex, come on, <laughs> you're funny. But I'm like, no, I think I've been through a lot in my childhood, not even teenage years, that I think like, this is okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's all right. I, relatively, this world is okay. But what was it like then to be you as a teenager? What was your dreams? Were you dreaming? Were you thinking, maybe I will reach 30? When I was a teenager, to be honest, I think my life was more about sports. I, I, I remember, I always tell my friend, uh, sorry, people, um, I had, my best friend is called George, by the way. He's Ugandan. We've been best friends since 2001. I always told him, I remember, I think I was 13, 13 years old. We were just in high school. And I told him that I want to make a living out of sports, specifically basketball. And to him, he got the picture. But whenever we used to tell other friends, our other friends, guys used to make fun of us. And <laughs> guys are like, you guys are just joking. You guys are talking just to you, man. You <laughs> You're bloody. cute. You're just running your mouth around, you know. You, life is different. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, it's so weird because I used to invest more of my time in, in sport, both football and basketball. And it's like, for me, my teenage years were concentrated on that. So going back to at home, like the life at home, I remember, for those who don't know, I, I had a stepmom who was, uh, it was rough. It was, <laughs> she wasn't the, the easiest. Um, and especially when I was, I think, 14, it got to a high level where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I faced a few things. I was always beaten, you know, slapped from age eight, age nine when I moved in. I always faced so many things. I was beaten up, kicked, you know, here and there. And, you know, someone always telling you how ugly you are, you know, every now and then reminding you whenever they see you. Um, so I kind of, my teenage years were, were really rough in the sense that I was trying to find myself. Um, my mother had just passed on when I was 10, 11. So when I got into high school, it was a transition. I, I had hate for people. 
right? I didn't like people, I'll be honest with you. I never loved to mingle with people. I used to just enjoy my sports because I felt like sports was giving me peace of mind because I'm being beaten at home, you know, mistreated by my stepmom. But at the same time, I'm trying to grieve my mother. So I don't understand what life is now because growing up, I'm thinking I want to do everything I can you know, to show and go and chill with my mother, you know, do this and things for my mother and then she passes on. So I'm trying to find myself. Uh, so basically my early teenage life was about trying to find myself and who I wanted to be. Uh, age 16 was rough because I, I was now fed up of, of, of so many things in life. And uh, I tried to commit suicide about two times when I was 16 and it didn't work. Uh, I always laugh about it because I'm like, I think God was looking at me and was like, look at this fool. You don't even know what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, it was a crazy time, but I always look back and I laugh, I laugh about it. But yeah, age 16 uh, was a time when I started understanding that running away from problems doesn't help. You know, trying to kill yourself, trying to end your life won't help you. So my teenage years early, trying to figure myself out. Age 16, I'm trying to kill myself. <clears throat> but age 17, I'm getting better at basketball. Like I've really reached a level where hey, the name is kind of sound. It, it, it's around the country. I was going to school in Uganda. Basketball was a big deal there. Um, you know, my name is kind of sounding in a few places. So now I'm actually realizing that I could actually do something with my basketball. And I've been telling people this since I was 13 and they're making fun of it. <laughs> and I'm actually seeing something come out of it. My best friend and I, his bigger brother was actually doing so much more teaching us. His bigger brother was one of the best players in East Africa. Uh, he's called the late Wilbert. And he was a big influence on my life. So my teenage life was awesome in that way. Sports, rising. <laughs> on the lower end, trying to commit suicide. And the earlier years, trying to figure out who I am without my mother. I always summarize it and say, it was the best time in my life because yeah. it's when I actually had to understand who I am and what I want, was about. How do you talk about, and now I'm talking to the male teenager. Yeah. Why, I, why I'm saying this is because most of the time we can focus on, in French, I have the word is malaise, like not being well. Uh, and it's easy to be like, oh, when you're a girl, you transition to being a woman, you don't know. You're... What is it like to be in that space as a teenage boy? And so you have a different, a difficult relationship, I guess, with your father. You have some role models that are here and there. Are you able to kind of express emotions? Why am I saying this? Because I realized Somebody <laughs> pointed this when I was uh, like a few years back. She asked me if I was, I, I, I cried. And I said, why would I cry? For, for, I mean, for what reason? It's like, no, but it, you know, it's like being far, far from your family or this and this and that, like, or a sad movie or, or something. And then I sat down and I was like, I'm honestly, because one, we're taught not to cry as yep. Indians, honestly, you swallow your tears and second, I never really sat down and, you know, <laughs> mentally thought, think about that. I realized the only way for me to show emotions was through, was through sports. So yeah. you tell me all these emotions of Nadal winning Roland Garros, uh, Roland Garros final women 2000, Steffi Graf 99 living, you know, I, 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 oh man, I'll cry. Manchester United winning the Champions League. I'll be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> My tears and people were like, say, sorry, what? No, Alex, hear yourself. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's weird. Okay, maybe 
because yeah. along the way you lose parents you lose i didn't but like you lose people in your family you live in a country where it's, there's a lot of unrest you i mean you know there is trouble all the time life basically what was it like for you where you're like okay my best friend aka my mom is not there yeah. i have sports which is so great yeah. but where are the role models where i can be like understand who i am mm. When you come to the question of emotion, I'll say this, and many people, I, I still have people, even some of my, my people in my family who still think I am a stone, like I'm a rock. They think I'm a rock, right? <laughs> they think I don't show emotion, or they think I don't know how to show emotion, right? So it's it's something I get a lot, like someone will come and pick me up at the airport and, you know, they're crying and I'm like, what's up, what's going on? It happened, it happened in 2016 uh, or 17. My cousins wow. came to the airport to pick me up. They haven't seen me in like five years. They're happy, they're crying. And I'm like, you guys, what's up? How was it? How was everything? And then my, co- <laughs> my cousin, Kofiona, she's like, is this guy okay? Like, she's asking my aunt. Like, my aunt is like, yeah, that's how he is. We're used to him. That's, he's been like that with since, since he was a kid, right? My cousins were shocked. They're like, how is it this guy has no emotion? And it's not that I don't have emotion. It's just that and I don't downplay it. That's the funny part. It's, it's for me, it was the fact that I've, I was hurt over and over. So I had to live a life where I have to, to be defensive every day. You know, at home, I have to be defensive because they're going to tell lies about what I'm doing. Like my stepmom would get up sometime and just say anything, just to make anything, just to get me in trouble. And I have to be defensive. Then I go to boarding school because I've been in boarding school since I was seven years old. And in boarding school, there's bullying and everything. I have to be defensive. So I basically had to grow a big head because I was so skinny and small and bullied at home. Then at school, everything was just crazy. So emotion for me, it's now that I've grown as a man, I'm now trying to understand what it is because now I love people more. Mm. I love being around people. I love, I love speaking to kids and understanding what they are about. But at that space has been a very tough one for me just like you said, you lose connection with certain things and then you get more connection with other things. For example, if Liverpool wins the title, I will run around. <laughs> I will take my shirt off. I will do anything. Like, weird. Like, I, people will ask if I'm okay, like mentally, right? <laughs> yeah. But on the other end, someone in the family will graduate and be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it. Good stuff. I'll take them out to lunch. That's it. And then, <laughs> And then I'm like, what are my priorities in life? Liverpool or my cousin? Liverpool or my sister? You know, I'm like, I think I'm messed up. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, I think I'm really messed up in my head. You know, I need some checking. Uh, Even dating, starting to date girls was a problem for me because I had a few breakups or I don't know, I'll call them breakups. But when I was younger, where the girls used to think that I loved basketball more than I loved them. right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know? Because on a Saturday <laughs> is the time when, you know, Saturday evening, afternoons, when you're supposed to meet up with them, you know, take one, walk, eat something. Yeah, I'll meet my girlfriend for, say, one minute, I mean, one hour, and then disappear, and then go basketball, right? Mm. And then, of course, the girl is going to keep chilling, looking around. She's looking at her, her friends, you know, out there doing whatever they're doing. And she's like, yo, this guy is crap. And she's like, to hell with this guy. And then on to the next. And, you know, it, it, it happened to me for so many years. Uh, so emotion for me <laughs> has always been a roller coaster, to be honest. <clears throat> but now as a man, 
I, I think I'm a cry baby. I don't cry, but I think I'm, I always say I'm too soft now. Like anything smaller will, you know, will hit me, mm. especially when I see someone else, you know, like in, you know, crying or very touched or something not happening well mm. for them. I'll be like, mm, this is not nice. I feel so bad for them. And I'm so emotionally attached to other people. However, I honestly have zero emotion for myself in the sense that I don't feel sorry for myself. For example, recently I had a car, I had a bike accident, my motorbike accident. I fractured my foot, but I'm in the hospital laughing. But what is bothering me is the kid in the next room who is crying because, you know, he got water buns, hot water buns, right? That is what is playing with my head. And the nurses are looking at me and they're like, are you okay? They're asking my friend, is this gay okay? Like, are you sure he's mentally fine? Because I'm laughing about my situation. But the moment I see the other kid, I, I, I feel bad. I, I get really moody, right? So that, that question for me is, is, is really big. It's, it's funny because it's like something in your life broke and then empathy came along. And, and the fact that, and it, it, that's what I liked when we talked last time, it's the fact that what you've been through every time either you made a joke people we can sense like your listeners are like this guy is it's joyful i'm like yes he's literally smiling and at the same time you don't have that you didn't take with you the, the victim mentality and that's yeah. for me something really that that's really impressive you know what i mean it's easy to be like oh i was you know i'm running i've been through this and yeah. you know hell with everything else that ever no you just sit down and be like i feel for the person who's just next to me but whatever I've been through, I've been through it. And for me, I'm sitting down here in Lyon and I'm like, okay, this is all right. What happened? What, what was the, sh was there any shift? Because you know what I mean? Like I've been through this abuse. I will abuse yeah. people as, as well. This is how literally how somehow yeah. the world works. But you were able to kind of shift your, your story and be like, I will not, I will be something else. I will be yeah. the one who helps. I will jump onto the, the, the hoops genesis. I'll do something. You know, it's funny when we're kids, when you say things, oh, I want to be the president and I want to yeah. be a princess. I want to be a king. And I, I, I don't know. I want to be the, an astronaut, you know? Yeah. Nowadays, I think parents should be sitting down and be like, you know, it's, it's possible to be an astronaut. Maybe 50 years Very, ago, it was tougher. It was tricky. Yeah. <laughs> it was more tricky. But nowadays, a 90-year-old person can just go to space and come back. When you listen to kids, I love playing with kids. I have friends here who, uh, who have kids. And I'm like, when I want to be serious, I chill with kids, not with adults, yeah. because we have yeah. so, so many mental so many walls. I mean, you know, for them, they're like, oh, Alex, Alex will do this. Alex, yeah. they're pretty sure, one of them is pretty sure they'll have a contract with Nike. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, just because I, I said that I, I work with sports, it's like, yeah, I want to, you know, Nike yeah. and Adidas. I'm like, may yeah. Jesus hear you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it will happen. And it will happen. But for you, being a coach, being a mentor, speaking to kids and listening to kids in India, it could be in India, it could be in Rwanda, it could be in Argentina. What are you taking with you? First thing first, taking with me from my end, I mean, from the kids, if I may say it. Like I always say, my experience being a coach or a mentor in, in the sense, first thing first, I'll take you back to how, how, I, you know, how I feel being a coach. What, what made me think about becoming one actually in the first place. In my playing days and my time growing up, I was always bullied, right? Like I told you, at home and at school. As I tried to get into pro, when I was getting into pro in the Ugandan League <clears throat> at the time, that was, I think I was 17 going to 18, I encountered a lot of bullying actually 
on the professional level. In fact, the bullying in school was better. Like, you know, you could uh-huh. fend it off and you still play. But in the pro level, it was different because it was a lot more of that where everyone thinks the press should be on them. It's like you're coming to take their shine, right? So they're not letting this new kid come in. So I had this thing where I was always laughed at. Even when I fit, whatever I do on the court, they laugh at me, right? And they pick on me because I was the smallest guy. You know, fast forward, life is moving and I'm thinking what to do and how to start up a basketball academy. And I'm like, I need to do something where I'm going to coach kids to believe in themselves. And interestingly, my biggest motivation was always the smallest, tiny kids. You know, the people that they always look at as the skinniest and the small ones, who everyone thinks they're crap or trash. I have a lot of interest in those ones. I don't know if it's a bias, but I always, because I always believe the big guys will always come through. They get their way through. The smaller guys don't get it because so many people are going to tell you so many things. You're so small, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't jump high. You can't everything. So I've always been motivated to actually motivate other kids. So my goal is to coach a child to the level uh, of them believing that they could actually be bigger than they're supposed to be. Why? Because I didn't get it. To be honest with you, I never really had a coach who believed in me as such. I'll be honest with you. I've been coached quite a number of people yeah i give them credit for giving me the fitness uh you know teaching me the game but i never really had one who believed in me and gave me the confidence Mm -hmm. never i actually had to fight for my place every time and i i don't want to see kids do that i mean i want them to fight to be great to be on the team but i want them to understand that there's someone who believes in you so you have to fight for me to give you the position you want i believe in you but you need to actually put in the work because the world is so cold that no one is actually going to give you what you think you're supposed to get. So yeah, that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I, I, I was, that's a, the mindset I had coming into coaching. But as a coach and a person that deals with so many kids and you know, at a different, at a different level, different ages, mm-hmm. I think for me, there's so much that I'm taking away from them actually, more than they're taking from me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting more love. Uh, interestingly, there's more love for me I'm learning to love people more from that. They think I'm loving them or giving them more love, but I feel like, I feel like it's me who is picking up more on what I didn't actually get. I didn't actually receive because here is a group of people about a hundred, about 120 different people from different groups of uh, different cultures, but they're giving me that they're embracing me as their own. And they actually listen to what I'm saying. They actually want to follow what I'm doing. This is giving me something, a different perspective of what I actually never saw growing up so for me i'm picking up more love from them i'm picking more patience from them working with kids you gotta be patient not just kids but even adults because yeah. for us we work with people from age six all the way to age 60 i have people who are 45 and these are parents but yeah. again when they're with me they have to understand their position so i have to kind of give instructions yep. and, you know so it's shaping me in a certain way that for me i'm actually i feel like i'm taking away more from them than they're actually taking away from me which they think is the other way but for me i also think oh. it's the other way so we agree to disagree <laughs> <laughs> that is so fascinating man because yeah. at the end of the day i'm like you know what i understand people who i when i was younger i used to watch maybe because my parents made me watch it uh these like long interviews political you know blah 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 on french tv and um and I used to say, like, why would you sit there for like an hour? You know, <laughs> obviously I was 10. And then teenage years, you're like, oh, it's interesting. And then you start listening and listening. And then now that I'm doing this, I'm like, actually, 
it's the best place. You you know what I mean? It's the best because so people are like, Alex, you do interviews for like an hour. I'm like, I could do three, but I'm just really thinking about the listeners because I cannot do three <laughs> hours each time. <laughs> but yeah, you get to speak with people and you, you get inspired. But the funny thing is that I can see so as an adult, okay, you know, so you're inspiring me, fine. But a six-year-old, why would you bother? You know, they're exactly. crying all the time and you're doing something called basketball. It's not even football where you can just exactly. give a ball and just be like, and try to score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, here is like structure, doing yeah. things properly. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, the six-year-old, to be honest with the kids, the reason, in fact, many people have asked me the question of why the grassroots like, why... You know, you could start with like 12 year olds because they, you know, they're a little more developed and they want this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think, I think for me, the six year old is actually not the game of basketball. And the, the reason I actually started Hoops Genesis was, of course, to make kids believe in themselves. But the major thing was to spread love and life skills. So for us, it's life skills first, then basketball. Automatically, basketball is going to come to you because you're going to learn it. I mean, we are pro basketball players, we pro yeah. coaches. Not everyone, not every coach is going to teach you about life skills. Not, not every coach is going to you know, believe or make you believe in, in other people, trust other people, trust your teammates, spread love, do community work. Because many places or many academies I have seen and I've been to, they don't do these things. It's basketball. You play the game, dribble, dunk, mm-hmm. whatever it is, after one mm-hmm. and a half hours, good night. Mm-hmm. For us, it's different. So our concept was very simple. The concept was get a six-year-old to understand that there's something called teamwork. When he's outside the class, when he's out of the classroom, He's not answerable to the teacher, but he's answerable to other people who are his age. He's supposed to actually understand that when he gets a basketball, he should be able to share it with the guy next to him. And when the guy next to him falls down, he should run and pick him up and tell him that it's fine. Say one guy messes up, it's always going to be a team effort to get punishment together. So we're not punishing the person who is doing it. We're punishing everyone, right? So the concept was we have to teach these kids to understand that they have to believe and trust other people which most of us were not really taught because we, you know, we, when they used to see us go to play with the neighbors, they give you 30 minutes to get back in. Yes, they want, to, they want you to be out, but they don't want you to be out. Mm. Confusing. It's almost confusing. However, now the goal was to get these children to understand that you have to love and believe in people, no matter where you're from, no matter your religion. Two, we also wanted to make it, uh, to make kids understand, children from the age of six, seven, to understand there's a spirit being, no matter your religion, whether you're Christian or Hindu or Muslim, you need to understand that you need to be appreciative of what you get every day. So our program is simple. Before we do anything, we pray. After we do anything, we pray. You have to understand that you're accountable to someone. Right? We're not forcing you into religion, but we're trying to understand, because we don't have a religion as such, but we're trying to teach you that you have to be thankful to God. God is giving you everything. God is waking you up. God is giving you the parents. God is giving your parents the money to be able to take you to school. Yeah? So we had to try and find a way to get the younger kids from age six, seven, to understand this concept before they get to 12. Because I believe if you oil your machine right now, well, it's going to take you places, right? So I can't wait until they're 12. I don't want to get a group of just mm. 13, 14 year olds and start from there. Mm. I need to have a mixture. So the, I have to get these guys who are six, seven, by the time they're 12, the other guys with new six year olds are looking up to these guys and like, these guys are 12, but you know, they speak a certain way. Mm. I believe in trying to make kids speak to people, not to shy away. So if you go to Hoops Genesis Academy, you talk to a 13-year-old, you, don't, you won't believe it's 13. You'll think it's actually 16 or 17 because they speak. We have programs where we have to speak. We have programs where the, some of them are good artists. So we had to show 
the six-year-olds that you could be so much more than what people are trying to tell you that you could be. You talk about the, the bullying in sports and uh, the sports sports, you know, it's, it's sad to hear, but at the same time, we hear about that, you know, uh, in the media sometimes. And, and we think it's sometimes it could be funny, but at the end of the day, someone is being bullied, you know, on the team. You were in Uganda. You were like, okay, this is supposedly my brothers in arms or something like that. How were you coping with it? Or how did you decide to just be like, I'll stay, I'll go somewhere else? Or For those who know me, it, it, it's, it's, they'll, they'll tell you that I, I don't know. I think because of so much that I went through when I was a kid, I think when I go to age 16, I was fed up. Till this day, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't, I can't let someone step on my toes. I, I can't, I'm so big headed that way. I can't, I can't. If, <laughs> if I don't like yeah. something, I'll let you know. If you hate me, that's your problem. Mm-hmm. So even when I was trying to get bullied in, in pro pro basketball, it's crazy because I once caused the sin, which was well on the basketball court. I didn't fight. I didn't do anything, but I had to get the attention of the management and the whole team to understand what I'm about because I once called them and, and I had to speak to them when the whole team is there. Wow. Um, funny part is I wasn't speaking just for myself. And, and this is something that always confuses me because even my friends are like, why is it that you, you're always fighting for other people, but not just yourself, right? weirdly because even that it wasn't just me being bullied but even two three other friends of mine who were my age and the team were being bullied for me you can bully me because i'm used to it uh, you'll walk away it doesn't bother my head you know at the end of the day we're not going to the same house anyway you're not feeding me so i don't care <laughs> yeah so i I'd know how to play with it because i'm from age seven in boarding school all the way to age 17 uh, uh-huh. pro sport bullying is in the nothing but I used to see my friends suffer because not everyone has the same character like some of us, right? Where we can speak up. So one practice session, it was while I had to just, I made practice end on the basketball court with the pro guys, the big guys, and some of them are the big names in the newspapers and stuff. But um, I had to make it. And I was like, we need to have a team meeting right now. And I, I demand, you know, to be the chair today. <laughs> everyone thought I was possessed. My friends were like, what's, what's up with this guy? <laughs> but I was fed up. I was mm. fed up. And... I, can't, I had to remind them of why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing. And that's when I told them, uh, I remember the, the one thing I told these guys at, at, at that practice was, we all need each other. However, we're not here to beg for one another. You need to understand that we're both giving a service in return of something. But if it cannot change, today is my last day on this team. And with effect from now, I quit being a player and until other players are given whatever they need to give me. The money that you're supposed to pay me, feel free to pay to my three other friends who you guys are Come messing up with. And they thought I was joking. I mean, they took it seriously because that's the first time I really saw a group of older guys, you know, listening. And they actually listened. They were there for a good one and a half hours. I ran mad because I spoke for a good 45 and they've never wow. let a rookie speak for 45. But I had to. I told them bye. I told him I'll always be there for the team. I'll always, if you guys need me to carry the water, you know, as a rookie, I'll carry it. I'll bring it to the bench. I'll do everything. But I just can't stand some of these things. That's what happened. Immediately after that, I just told them I can't play anymore. I can't be there anymore. We came into agreement, the contract. And I asked them that I can't be there for the rest of the season. But interestingly, that whole session opened up a new, a new phone kind of respect for me, I think. And I was so supportive of the team in many other ways. And I learned to, you know, to cope and deal with this kind of 
situations of bullying. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, over the years, I was requested to return to that team and I just didn't have any interest anymore. And that's when they realized this wow. guy is crazy because now I had moved on to something bigger and they realized that I was actually impacting something bigger, right? Mm. So for me, this whole notion, it has, it has always been speaking up, not hiding anything, understanding who I am, because when I turned, like I told you, when I turned age 16, I was fed up mm. with everything because I almost committed suicide. And when I tried it and it didn't work, I was like, okay, yeah, now I have to find a way to survive. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, how I should be. We, we shouldn't be laughing about this. We, we should, man. It, it was funny. It was some of the, one, one of the funniest, stupidest things I've ever done in my life. What brought you to India? Because you could have, you know, traveled to, I don't know, South Africa, for example, they do have a sports industry that is um, much better than the average African or even, let's just say African uh, um, way of doing things. Why India? Back in 2012, I'm doing basketball, but I'm also traveling. I'm always in Kenya uh, doing some logistics work. So I used to have, mm-hmm. I was managing a logistics company, um, where we used to bring in containers of, you know, shipping cars. So I used to love, I've, I've always had a love for business. Like I've grown up in a, my dad is a businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had that. I think it's just something I picked off uh, from him. I always love to do something. So I don't, I never like to do one thing. I always love to be in different things and challenge myself. So I was doing business, going to Kenya, you know, doing shipping and bringing in containers from the U.S. and different places. I was in and out playing basketball in different places, different countries. And I remember I was going through a certain time in my life where I was unhappy with myself. That was 2011. Everything just seemed to be going bad. I didn't notice what it was until later in 2000. Towards the end of 2011, beginning 2012, when I realized that I'm actually not praying and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do in terms of getting closer to God because everything was seeming to fall apart. Imagine I'm having a great life. The money is coming in, but I'm just not happy with myself. Like everything is off. I'm hitting depression and I didn't know at the time we didn't even know what depression was right mm. because in Africa we are thought that we don't get depressed apparently <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, so what is that it's a western notion you like exactly <laughs> no they should tell us depression is for white people man now that I'm grown I'm like yo everybody depression doesn't have segregation when it hits everybody uh, no, no plus plus everybody they just say 99.9 percent is exactly. depressed in africa so exactly and, it's and like then i realized we are so depressed in africa we just don't know we think it's just a hard life but it's depression my god <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord it's like skin cancer we don't exactly. have it sure we just that's mm-hmm. the thing they think that right because you're mm-hmm. black anyway mm-hmm. you know like how guys were saying recently that covid doesn't hit black people you know all that dumb nonsense and anyway so coming back to that, um, I remember I was going through something crazy and, you know, everything just seemed going to go off. And we got an offer, my best friend and I got an offer to come to India to get a, a free college degree, scholarship. You get a basketball contract. Your job is to play basketball for the college, get a salary, get an apartment, you know, and live the life. But I, I felt like, I thought about it. I'm like, it might not be something for me, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking of something else. And I kept silent for a few minutes, a few, a few months. I, I kept my documents. My best friend, actually, for him, he walked on his and came to India. But mine, it was one morning when it hit me, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to clear this last, these last two containers, give out everything to the clans, whatever they need, and I want to just buy a ticket to India. 
sending my, uh, sending my documents because everything will be sorted. They, have, they already have my documents anyways. They're just waiting for the green light and then okay. they'll submit them. And that's what I did. Everyone was shocked because I just made my mind up one morning. I'm like, I'm going to go to India. I'm going to get the degree. I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to do, I'm going to shout out everything else I've been doing in life. Anything I've been doing in life, playing pro here, playing pro, I'm going to shut this out for now. I'm going to go do this in India. And in a week's time, I was in India. I didn't, I didn't look anywhere else. And that's how I, get, that's how I came to India. <laughs> so I've made a few crazy decisions about it. You're going to love the fact that you wake up and you're like, okay, you know what? Here's my life. Here's the new trajectory. Uh, trajectory. We're going there. Yep. India, to be honest, is, is known for computer science and yep. computer science and computer science. Yep. Not, I mean, for those who follow sports, yeah, cricket, definitely. Yeah, cricket is, this is a home of cricket. It's huge. Yeah, it's yep. huge, huge, huge. And as a sports person, I won't be able to tell you much in terms of sports. So when I, because for those who are listening, I found out about you on Instagram. And I remember just being like, uh, I think this is a scam because there's a black dude doing some basketball thing in India. I'm like, uh, pardon. Maybe they're fans, but they're, they do not have like, you know what I mean? Like Africa, we do have players from Africa. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. You can understand the yanis and uh you know yeah. but at the end i was like who is this guy i want to know what he's doing like huh? how why tell us yeah tell us about the the i'll even say the genesis of hoops genesis you know what i mean <laughs> That's Take, <the> thing. Hey. <laughs> in 2012 when i go to india I, I joined a church called bangla international christian fellowship uh, and that church church it's a church of uh quite a number of expatriates, guys from different countries, from the UK, the US, and, and, and different parts of the world. Some, most of them, not most, but many of them are top, you know, the top level managers or even CEOs of some of the biggest brands, that, you know, some of the biggest multinational corporations in the world. You know, I'm seeing them lifting chairs and, you know, organizing the seats for us to come and sit, right? For us who are nothings, right? Well, we call ourselves the nobodies. <laughs> you know, we come to church to sit, but these guys... My, the guy has parked his Mercedes outside, but he's organizing chairs for you to sit. I'm like, this is not right. Something, <laughs> something is not right about this place. What's going on? And, you know, so I'm in that church and I've met so many different people from France. In fact, uh, from France, from, from the US, from the UK, from China, from Korea, different people from Singapore. And I'm talking to different people. Before I go to India, 2012, before I accepted you know, my scholarship, I had a friend of mine who introduced me to church, like to start going to church a lot more. Interestingly, her mom is Indian. The, not the dad is Indian. The mom is, Af- is Ugandan. She's called okay. Jedi. And she found me on the street walking like I'm a confused guy. I'm, uh, it's like I was just running out of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm gone because I had so many problems running through my head. That's back in Uganda, right? When I was telling that the containers and, you know, all my businesses are going crazy. So she introduced me to to church, give me gospel music and everything on my, on my, on my, on my hard drive. And, you know, yeah, fast forward now I'm in India and I'm in church and I want, actually looked for a church to get into. A friend of mine introduced me to Bangla International Christian Fellowship. I met many people. And then a, a guy, we pick interest in each other with a certain guy called Max, who I call my spiritual brother. He's from France. He's from Central Africa Republic, but grew up in France for so many years. He's, a, mm. he's an engineer. Um, uh, they call them they call them the petroleum engineers or something, because he was managing Shell here in India. Okay. Uh, and he had just come to India that 
early 2015. So for me, that was 2015, but I joined the church in November. So, you know, for him, it was a little few, you know, months older than I was, and he knew the system. Mm. But he's a family guy with three. He was a family guy with two kids at the time, you know, wife, you know, established wealthy guy, but a good basketball player. So we established an interest uh, at one time when I crashed the, the, the church of the youth, I mean, the, the lunch of the youth, and he told me, you didn't register. <laughs> You're going to pay for your lunch, yeah? I'm like, yeah, I'll pay for my lunch. Don't worry. <laughs> he was a, he's a very tough guy, very tough guy. And I'm like, yeah, I will. So the other young, the other youth guys were there. They look at him and they're like, yo, wasn't he rude? How are you going to accept that? I'm like, I crashed the lunch, man. I didn't register. So I have to pay for my lunch. And so I always believe in, you know, honesty in most of these things, right? So lunch, during that lunch, I sat down with him and, you know, we have a conversation and he asks me what I'm doing. And I tell him I'm the bar basketball. And he's like, oh, basketball. You know, he gets excited. He's like, I play basketball. I love basketball. We connect. Remember, this is the guy that has just been screaming at me. But it's now <laughs> the guy that I'm connecting with at lunch. He forgets about all the other youth, other 25 youthful uh-huh. guys that are there. And we start bonding at that very lunch. And from then on, he tells me, okay, let's do this. I want you to organize this every Saturday. Bring a group of people to my villa. Because he was living in a very fancy place with a very beautiful basketball court. Every Saturday, we'll do this. And we made it every two weeks and I organized it. And then he became my mentor, my spiritual brother. He teaches me so many things. You know, we push it. He asks me, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to do something with an orphanage. He's like, nope, I think you're smart with your basketball. You should create something that is going to change lives using basketball. And I think you should certify and become a certified basketball coach. And as, as you still play and you're still younger, so you build more knowledge at a younger age. Yeah. That I start doing. And then I meet another, I mean, one of the founders of the church, the late Dr. Chip, he's American, and he also owned, he owns, he used to own an NGO called Provision Asia in India. From, he put this up in 1988. I'm like, yo, that's when I was, I think wow. I was about to come out. He's been doing this for all those years, wow. working with people with disabilities, right? So we call them the differently abled, providing wheelchairs, school, everything for them since 1988. He now asks if he can be my mentor. We recently on Sunday, we were talking about it. And I was like, this guy had a vision of God because he started this church, right? He's the co-founder of this church. And every other youth is walking to someone else to ask them for mentorship. He walks up to me because I used to like coming to church, crack jokes and disappear. <laughs> one, one, one Sunday, I come and do that. I want to disappear. He holds me. He's like, ah, 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 where are you going? Um, I try to play a and He's like, yeah, I would like to be your mentor from today onwards. But I said, no. So yeah, every week I had a day with him as well. And I used to go and help out the, with the kids in, the, in, you know, in his school, the school that he used to run in the, you know, the NGO. And he used to teach me so many different things about life. He introduced me to so many powerful people. And he's also, he, alongside Max, started pushing for my academy to actually take shape. Yeah, so Max, the French guy, the African-French guy also, now he puts in more effort, he introduces me, and one day he tells me, I think you're ready. I'm like, ready for what? Because I don't know, you've been training me or what? Like, yeah, I've been actually testing you and I think you're ready to actually lead something of your own. He asks me to make a list of stuff that I need. He asks me to make business plans, business uh, yeah, proposals and plans for what I want to do. He used to trash some of them because they're crap anyway. Because they're mad in my face. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm, going, love, man. I'm hustling with this guy. Uh, but he makes it happen. One day he takes me to Decathlon. We go and swipe from his card quite a number and amount of money of a thousand something US dollars. And uh, he's the first person that ever believed in everything that I wanted to do here. So he 
he bought me equipment to start my academy and he drove it there. He came on the first day of Hoops Genesis, before it was even called Hoops Genesis. The first day of the coaching, he was there with me in the morning, helping me coach for about four hours. When we bought this stuff, we prayed about it. The goal was to teach basketball for free for two years and later do whatever I want to do with it. But the goal was to be able to give back to God for the blessings that he had given me to be able to be alive at the moment. That's when I started thinking about what name to give this. What should I mm. call this? I'm like, I don't know what to call this. I remember one time I'm opening my Bible in the morning, you know, just to read the book of Proverbs, which I love to read. And then you know how you just throw the Bible on the table, you know, still just the tad. I mean, you're lazy because you just woke up. <laughs> and of course, the, you know, the first few pages are open, the, you know, the book of Genesis. I had a piece of paper, not a piece of paper, a book where I'm writing names. I'm writing my initials, Basketball Academy, mm-hmm. K-I-I-K, trying to come up with stuff. Put it, my mother's name, my mother's initials in there, something Basketball Academy. I'm like, mm. doesn't cut it. So I see the book of Genesis and something hits me. And I'm like, Genesis is the beginning. I'm working with kids doing this. So, you know, it's the beginning. It's the growth. It's the, you know, yeah, ascending. Okay, I'll stick with Genesis. Of course, I used to pray about trying to find a name and it was taking forever. But just that Bible flip, I saw the word Genesis. And I'm like, Genesis is the right word for me because everything I'm doing right now is basically the beginning of these kids' lives or the beginning mm. of whatever people want to do. That's how I came about with Genesis. So the first two days, I called it Genesis Basketball Academy. I didn't feel like I wanted it to be sounding that way. And uh, I started thinking and started drawing rings, you know, a ring. I was drawing a hoop, a basketball hoop, then the word Genesis. And I look at the, I'm like, I can't call it hoop Genesis, hoop Genesis. And I'm like, no, that didn't sound good. So I drew two hoops and I'm like, yeah, hoops Genesis. I'll go with this final. And that was it. So that's how Hoops Genesis came about. So what I want to talk about India, because it's easy to, have, to get this. Uh, I, I believe my listeners, though, are, are quite aware of the things that are happening outside the Western world, meaning yeah. not every African child is starving and not every Indian child is on the streets. You are working with some of the, well, me, well you know, wealthy people in, yeah. in India really touching communities for sports. I want to talk about the gender discrimination that is prevalent everywhere, but, you know, in some countries more than others. I, you know, I've been a child myself. I know what it's like to be a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and you no longer have the same opportunities as, you know, the boys. And I wonder how you guys, because it's not only basketball that you guys do now, you can literally go into any other sports you know and i wonder how if you had a parent who is skeptical maybe or bringing a girl you know and be like no i'll send you a boy i'll send you my son (laughs) because you know it's okay you know yeah in the beginning um so i'll say this i remember when hope's genesis started we had a few kids we didn't really have many and remember it's free but yeah it's still not out of traction right the boys could come the boys were always that were always showing Mm -hmm. up the girls on the other side, we had two, who, two to three of them. Three of them, I said three, because we had three, but one was never really consistent, right? Mm-hmm. But they were always, they also used to try, these are kids, these, these three were from families that are a bit you know, open-minded. But we used to beg other girls to actually come to basketball, and none of them wanted to show up. It's simply because they had told them that maybe, some of them, I, I had to ask a few of them, and they're like, my parents said that sports is not good for girls. Others feel like they're going to be judged for not being good at what they do because they're learning how to play. 
quite a number of things. Uh, the culture, the culture for some places was they don't allow them to, to do mm-hmm. sport. They should be home by this time. It was so tricky and it was very hard for us to actually, um, it was so hard for us to actually attract them to come to play the game. Over the years, I remember 2019, right before COVID, we had 70 girls on the Hope Genesis Basketball Academy. And <laughs> I started thinking, why? What happened? What was the shift? Because we used to have three for two years. Even those three were big <laughs> enough to show up. Uh, now we got 40 and then we got 50 and then we got 60 and then we got 70. How is that possible? And they're the craziest ones. They don't even want to leave the basketball court. Wow. I'm like, guys, get out. Off, off. They're like, no, no. <laughs> Switching no off the lights. <laughs> I'm like, yo. And then I realized it's, it's because they found many parents. Yo, many parents actually are so skeptical to bring the girls in the beginning. Some of them have a boy and a girl, right? They'll mm-hmm. bring the boy, but don't bring the girl. But these are the three girls who they were a big boost for us because they always were chilling with the boys. And, you know, we have this culture where if you want to stay back after your class, you're not going to play, of course, because the court is going to be used. Mm-hmm. But you can always stay back and motivate or you even help the coaches if you want to help. And most of them oh, wanted okay. that. So okay, they would stay okay. back, lift, oh. carry the basketballs or, you know, help in officiating and stuff. Okay. So a few parents, the court is situated in a school. So the few parents used to pass by on Saturdays and Yo, what's going on? You know, a few parents would stay back and watch. So that attraction, they started seeing the culture was very different from what they know of a sports academy. Ours was more about people just being together. Forget about the basketball. It's just about bringing a group of kids together to just be in one place. That's, that's the goal because they will then figure out how to play with one another. It started coming up like that, slow and steady. And then, yeah, we started making the girls the captains. Every team we create, the girls are the captains, right? So we mix them up, they play. And then now the girls, of course, have their own section because there, there are so many now. But initially that was the goal, you know, trying to show mm. the boys to always respect the girls. And it is so beautiful that I don't know how God does his things, but in our organization, our boys or our men are so, so well behaved. I think we also attract a different, you know, when you're building the brand, it's like you build a certain, you also have to breed, have a certain attraction of clients. There's a certain, there's a mm. certain level of clients that you kind of attract yeah. based on what you do, mm. right? Because at Hoops Genesis, we, we care about how we appear. You know, if you look at our page, you'll realize that we love beautiful looking places. We love the people to be, you know, in uniform because it's yeah. easy for me to identify my brother or my sister, you know, yeah. dressed a certain way. Basically that unity, all the people we used to attract of course, here and there, you pick one, two, three people who just don't get the concept. But the moment they get into this, they realize, oh, it's actually driven like this. Then after the kids were captured, you won't believe parents started jumping in. We have some parents who tell us, Hope's Genesis in the beginning was for my son and my daughter, but now it's more for me. It gives me peace of mind because I just want to come there and talk to other parents. And I'm so happy coming and talking to you, the coaches. You guys are my brothers and sisters now. So we built a culture Aww. of building a community. So for us, it's, known, it's been so easy now over the years to actually just get girls join us and women because we show that it's women first because we are female coaches who have appeared and done things at a certain level in life. I just <laughs> hope you guys branch in different you know, countries. I don't know, Pakistan, uh, yeah, the Singapore. Goal, the goal is to try to branch off in Rwanda first. That's, that's been my, my prayer and, and I, hope, yeah. um, I, hope, I hope many other female athletes around the world could help me on this. But I want to put Hoops Genesis in Rwanda. But I mean, Rwanda, with the sports diplomacy and the sports industry that is growing there, it shouldn't be a problem, man. Yeah. 
it should be uh, i'll say uh, i'd like to joke about this but we do have burundians have uh, more athletes than runders because i'm just saying because if the president want, is listening to me i will I'm not like, comment. it's true it's like comment. monsieur le president comment. it is true but if we can work together so we can bring more east good. african athletes honestly it's it's uh because at the end of the day it, it feels like we're changing the culture and i like to tease my mom about this she used to play basketball in high school like oh. big time like captain she, she she was a captain i think in her how do you say last year of high school and stuff but i learned mm. about that years like my late teens you know later i was 19 20 and she used to smile when uh, i was watching you know nba and following this and this and that she's like Alex I know about this I'm like what do you know about basketball because she wasn't sharing about her her past experience in sports and I thought I was one of well I do have siblings we all love sports so but I feel like this culture of embracing the women in the sports industry we do not consume sports the, the same way but the potential is there to kind of change life and I know that whatever I think I've been through in my life one, thanks to God. And second, my mental health, thanks to sports. What is the plan then with Hoops Genesis? Seeing where you guys started. And I want to say you started alone. Or let's just say three people. You and your two mentors, right? Yep. And you're tackling a country as big as India. India <laughs> you know basically, what I- we don't even call it a country. We call it a subcontinent. It is, honestly. So I want to say for those who's, who've been singing for years and years, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Nah. I'm like, eh, if you can make it in a... India, you can make it anywhere, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus being a foreigner in India. Exactly. I don't want to say black, but you know, people will yeah. hear that. My blackness is everything. So <laughs> I will literally invite everyone to go and check your website and see the facilities that you guys have. I was like, oh, this guy <laughs> is like in Barcelona, man. It's, yeah. it, you know I mean? I've had people who check out the, the Instagram and they send us messages like, is this India? I'm like, no. yo. <laughs> it's photoshopping at best. You know what I mean? These guys are dope. Until you see the videos, you're like, oh, wait a second. This is, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I grew up playing tennis. We have really nice place, um, clay courts in, in Burundi, in Bujumbura. But then again, I'm like, we can expand that. You, yeah. We have a certain amount of courts, but we can expand that. It's Burundi. It's doable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can yeah. make up a, a court, a tennis court in my backyard. You, India, <laughs> parents changing the culture. The culture. Breaking I into mean, the culture has been a on, Breaking into the culture. Your case should be like a Harvard Business School case. You know what I mean? <laughs> From here, you're thinking 2022, for example. Yeah. I will ask you, how do you feel about your project in 2022? And what do you need to accomplish whatever you, you feel like should be done? Now that we've grown to a company that actually has a football academy. Yes. <laughs> thanks to yes, God, but- which we started this year. Interestingly, we started it on Women's Day. We, intro- we inaugurated it Come on Women's Day. On. Interestingly, the first team that we assembled and put together is the women's team, which we've taken okay. around a few wow. cities to play games. So before we even had a men's team, we had to put up a women's team first. So we have a beautiful women's team and they're dedicated the goal for us this time is uh, this next year is to make sure we're able to to be consistent and and because you know post-covid right covid has been a deadly thing for us in, in the sense it's killed every progress 
we had good progress before Women's Day, just after COVID, first first phase and then second phase happened, and mm-hmm. it slowed down everything, especially the football. But we are trying to grow a women's program. We have we are trying to put up a women's program where women meet, meet every month, every last Sunday of the month in our facility. Okay. okay. And they're able to tackle girl-child problems. So they're going to be playing football, basketball, whatever it is, and then we are going to always give them two hours of sitting down and discussing. So all women from around Bangalore, the city that I live in. Two, uh, we're trying to push both the basketball and the football to different levels. We're trying to come up to become actual certified clubs so that we're able to play in the club, the club level. So that the goal is to have the kids come from age six to 15 to U18 to now playing in a club system where they're able to play at the, at the, inter- at the national level. But the main thing that for me I'm looking at now is to make sure that our athletes are able to play at the international level. So we are trying our best to be able to go at least to Singapore for tournaments, to go to Europe for tournaments, mm. because I believe that when this happens, it's going to encourage other people uh, to get into sport, especially India is not really much of a sports culture place. The sports culture is, is a bit low, you know, but if people are able, if parents are able to see our kids get to the level of play, of going abroad and, you know, being able to represent and seen by scouts, yeah. that would be beautiful. You know, of course, after the women's, Again, for us, 2022, we're going to take it slow. But that's the, those are the two main uh, goals that we have set. The women, having a women's program that is run every month for all women, sponsored by a few companies. So we try and find companies to help us. Okay. And of course, having our athletes grow to a level where they're able to go and play internationally and nationally. Right? And what we need to make our things happen, of course, oh, sorry, excuse me. The third thing, which... I always wanted, I thought I would do this year, but COVID happened. I wanted, we want to start Hoops Genesis in Rwanda. I had a few discussions with the vice president of basketball in Rwanda last year, a one-on-one meeting with him, and he was quite excited about everything and was supportive. But we need a group of people uh, from out there to, to help us. I've connected with a few WNBA people who I talked to, um, and a few of my other athletes, female friends like Jory, who plays in, in Greece. She was drafted by the Indiana Indiana Fever way back. She's been playing pro for 10 years. Uh, we're trying to see what we can do. And it, we need more help, you know, to be able to get funds, uh, to be able to start something, to have a good facility in Rwanda. Because for me, I believe, I believe in having facility first. If you have good facilities, so many things are able to be done, right? Especially facility that is private, where you know that you're able to run your program at any time, at your convenience, that people are able, are able to come in. Not facility that you're going to rent and, yeah. you know, two, three hours you're kicked off. Right, so yeah. one, two, three, those are the three major things. The main thing that we need, of course, to make our things happen is, is help and funds, right? So the dough. that yeah. has been the biggest issue for us, you know, over the years. But we've been having how, a few people. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you manage to do so? Because at the end of the day, as you said before, you gave two years free, <laughs> you yeah, know? That, that, <laughs> and I'm like, that's six months, you know what I mean? Netflix exactly. gives you seven days trial, I think. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and people still don't years. respect the, the amount of time you put in, right? And that's, that's one of the things that used to confuse me. I'm like, do you know how much time we put in, you know? Yeah. Come in here for four hours and training your kids on, for free. Mm. But like I told you, this, uh, this spiritual brother of mine called Max, he always used to take care of me. If I needed mm. transport, if I needed food, if I needed whatever it is, he used to help from his pocket. At some point, I stopped doing it, stopped asking, and he would send it, and I, and I, and I disappeared. <laughs> I stopped asking completely because I, I didn't want him to do it. Right? But he was 
really capable of doing it. Over the years, God has blessed us that we've, we've partnered up with schools like Bethany High School, whose grounds we use. So they give us their grounds for free. But in turn, they're like our sponsors. Mm. And in turn, we also, you know, we use the logo on all our merch, our hoodies, our t-shirts, everything we do. And again, Hoops Genesis and Bethany High School, we align in values. It's a Christian school, which of course welcomes everybody. They don't pressure it onto you. The management and, and the owners are amazing. And the director is more like my bigger brother. He's called Mr. Akash David. He's raised me and taught me so many things about life. How to, you know, be a proper director, you know, to be a leader, how you lead. But again, keep in mind that you're leading for Christ. So he's taught me those things. And yeah, so Bethany High School came on and became our sponsor. By God's grace, we got a good ground, which was we were able to use to do different things. We got some funds to help us do many things. And then... We've also partnered up with another company called Embassy, which owns the facility that you see in the videos. So it's a, oh. real estate, it's a real estate company, which is one of the biggest in the world. They own technology parks. Like they'll have a tech park, which will have about say 500 companies. And in those 500 big companies, you'll find over 10,000 employees each. So one tech park will hold almost 150,000 people or 200,000 people in one. So they have those beautiful facilities. So we've, we've partnered with them as well. And, um, we do some work with them. So they've also helped us push uh, to give us mm. facility in that stance. But we keep trying to get to work with different companies because our, our goal would be to have, to lo- would love to have a few companies say, okay, you know what? We're going to help you guys with the women's program for basketball. Mm. We'll mm. fund that. Mm. You, know, can, you know, whatever it is as a sponsor, we'll help with the women. We'll also help with the women's program for football. Yeah. Right? We'll also help sponsor for certain events. Like we usually hold, we usually host events like football, basketball, uh, you know, throw ball, especially throw ball. It, that hit us crazy this year. We, we didn't believe we could see a big number of women in one place playing one sport. I never knew that existed till this Women's Day when we hosted the throw ball tournament for Women's Day. And we saw over 150 women register for throw ball. I was like, where have Come we on. been all these days? <laughs> so throw ball is now part of our new program, actually, wow. specifically because of the women. So we Come need on. help in, in all those angles. Yeah. That is crazy. Okay. So I would like to, to kind of come back maybe to speak to the parents. And another joke of mine that I like to tell my, 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 my mom is that every time I, I talk about sports, she will say, oh, no, 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 go to school, go to school. But I'm like, you know what? With sports, I can literally go into an American school for free, like some of my friends did. I mean, you yeah. literally landed in India that way. When I'm thinking about women, women in sports, and I'm thinking about Title IX in the U.S., where they're trying to fight against discrimination, when you think about the people who are maybe not, you know, not everybody's wealthy, you know, doing well, but it's it's great to kind of have a good education for free. Yeah, nobody's gonna yeah. say no to that. Do you yeah. think that parents are starting to understand that they can literally send kids to the U.S. to study at Stanford to study at you know? Caltech to study this, be a lawyer and at the same time come up. Nobody has to, not, not everyone has to be like an athlete, a pro athlete, yeah. you know, but for you to kind of be like, you can push this girl, you can push this guy. Uh, not everything is about cricket. Not everything is about this. And your life can literally change because of the parents encouraging yes. you to be like, go. So the beautiful thing about us, like I realized like in, 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 in Hoops Genesis, when I speak to many parents who, with whom we speak almost every day, 
some of them have become family like we're at their houses mm-hmm. having dinner lunch whatever it is you know, <laughs> they become like my brothers and sisters it's crazy wow. it's, it's become that because that, what, that's what we do we always have picnics as a group we go out and we're always in each other's houses somewhere somehow <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just become a crazy family of 100 and 200 something people so most of them number one many of them are trying to they get their kids in because they believe the kid may not just become an athlete the kid will use sports to teach him to become a leader in the other things for example we have a few kids like alex judah all these guys who are now grown they've been with me since 2015 been with us since 2015 but they're now 18 19 some are 21 they're very good stage actors they now even travel to a few countries like singapore to perform on stage right but being in sport helped them speak more because we give them leadership roles every week and they, they have to do that. So some parents believe that the kid may not become a pro athlete, but he's going to get leadership skills. He's going to learn how to be compassionate because with Hoops Genesis, every, every three, four months, we go out to the communities and you know feed, feed the less fortunate. We take clothing. We spend days with them doing sports. So again, some parents just love that part of it. Then we have the parents who are so open-minded that they're so exposed now that they would love for their kid to actually become an, a pro athlete. You know, they believe, you, you never know because they say they have the opportunity and maybe the money. So why not train the kid to be a good basketball player? And maybe by God's grace, if he wants to do his college in the US, he could also use basketball as one way to try and get in. Like we have a kid called Jerry who is in the US now and he's playing basketball. In, uh, in, in, uh, in Oklahoma, right? So he was with us when he was 15. Now he's a 22-year-old. So, so we, now the parents are also seeing that. And yeah. the shift is also crazy because the younger generation is a little less on cricket, but more into basketball and football. So people are seeing more scope in that. So many parents, a few parents have spoken, not a few, but many parents have spoken to with Hoops Genesis now. They see the value of sport and they would love their kids to actually use sport to go to the US, to Europe, wherever. Mm-hmm. So let's imagine then, this is the last question about money and project, I guess. If you had like a million dollar fund per, per year, right? Yeah. Would you re- rewrite your business plan or would you say, no, this is actually, this is what we needed. Let's go. We'll touch Bangalore. We'll touch, I don't know, Punjab. I'm coming up with all the cities. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. That's but good. you know what I mean? Punjab is, yeah, Punjab is up north. Yeah. yeah, I know some stuff. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Would you be able to kind of find more things to do in your area and in other cities? I wouldn't really rewrite the business plan or proposal. Mm-hmm. I would say this. The goal for me when I was looking at this over the years was to have a proper, well-organized structure, which is an organization that is under one, one building or one, you know, one acre, whatever it is. But I want to actually have a school. Where one, the goal is to have Hoops Genesis become a school at some point, a sports school, right? If we're able to have kids come in, of course they do their academics, but it's a proper academy where you also have the basketball section, the football section, and we're able to get those kids from the deeper areas where they're not able to really study and have them on certain roles, mm-hmm. but also driving them through that. That is one thing that I, I'm, I'm always praying to God that happens if we ever get good funding. Two, I would love to have put up a certain a nice facility in Rwanda to run the same program that we're running here. 
in Rwanda. Then I'm in the city of Bangalore. I look at a city like Pune, and I would love to do something there as well in regards to what Hoops Genesis is, because that would give us a chance to have people get the taste of what is here. And those who are not able to have it here, they're able to get the same taste mm-hmm. in a different city. Same things. The only thing is just to expand the program. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just it. I think if Hoops wow. Genesis ever got one million US dollars, in fact, the other day we were joking about it, I was like, yo, one of these rich guys should just call me up and give me one, one million US dollars. <laughs> Hoops Why Genesis not? Just, because <laughs> one, one beautiful thing that I know that we've done, not so perfectly, but we've tried to do well, is something called branding. Mm-hmm. For example, our merchandising has been amazing. We, we, we make some really beautiful hoodies and we've been able to sell them all over the world. In the US, in the UK, in Germany, in Rwanda and Uganda plus Kenya, there are so many, over thousands of, <laughs> thousands of them have been sold there. And again, the demand for them is so high, right? And then we have women's dresses. You know, we have a nice sports dress, which you know what they call a bodycon dress for sports. Uh, we have leggings, you know, so we've tried and we have nice, beautiful basketball and football jerseys, which we also sell. For those who are looking for hoodies and because it's it's cold out here, eh? it's autumn is coming. No, we're already in autumn and, uh, you know, winter is coming. Uh, oh, Winter's my goodness, winter is coming. Uh, you, you know how to bring yourself and you're wearing a really nice polo. There yeah, I say, yes, polo. come yeah, on, so. come on. Where's mine? Where is mine? I'm. You, I'm a hoodies get, person. You get some, you get a beautiful hoodie soon. Don't worry. Yes, please. Yes, please. But it's funny how yeah. really you, you, that's what I like. You have a vision and you're like, you think big. And I feel like what you gave us here, you know, it's like 10, let's just say 5% of your projects. <laughs> but if we're to, to, to sit down and be like, so innocent, tell me, tell me, it will be like huge. I'll be like, okay. Okay. Uh, with you. Yeah thinking big is like your everyday meal basically and it's great and you know and it's it's oh man it's funny which company do you want to partner with then are you are you going for the under armor with stephen curry are you going with nike with lebron james uh which one i would love to partner up with a company that understands who we are understands that we are about love and the love for god if there's a company that is willing to, to be with us in that sense of understanding that we are bought the love for good mm. without being ashamed of it, I'd love to follow up with that. That's, that's the only thing I could ask. I don't care who, but as long as you they understand just, that aspect. They just said the Nike should have had a lesson, uh, a business lesson by this time when Stephen Curry, you know, yep. didn't sign with them. And I, I think it was in Amsterdam two years ago. And I was in this sneakers store and with a friend and I was just looking at the new, you know, shoes. And then at some point I saw the, the Yanis uh, yeah. shoes. Yeah. What I didn't know is that on the back, it's like my father, it's like my father's strength or my father's something. Yeah. And, you know, it, you can sense it's like spiritual. <laughs> but but they're, not tra- can, they're not trying yeah. to bring it out as spiritual. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell, yeah, my daddy, sure, sure. <laughs> and I realized like more and more people, uh, obviously Stephen Curry is doing so with Under Armour. Yeah. He's a straight, I can't do it. I mean, yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, that's good for them. And it's really powerful. Yeah, for you, people who understand how God is playing a huge part, if 100%, yeah. if not 100% in, in what you guys do, do you mind if it is a British an American? No, you want to partner no, with me, the I, right I, person. I, I always believe for me, 
actually the more the more diverse the better because then you're able to understand each other if you're able to be diverse and understand one another i don't care where you're from for example i'm an african guy living in india and i'm teaching mm. indians so i've yeah. been given a chance by them to actually lead yeah. them right so same thing with me whoever we partner up with we don't care where you're from mm. china whatever as long as you're able to understand what we're about that's what we care great for. great yeah. so the last question will be for you as innocent what do you expect what do you want to see in five years to see in, the, in in terms of in terms of my business or in terms of my life you so you you are the one answering <laughs> because I've, I've, i've always tell people this and many people think i'm so obsessed with hope's genesis right to the point that, <laughs> seriously because to the point that i walk the streets sometimes or we are at a dinner place uh, like a restaurant and i've had people walk up to me and they're like hope's genesis i'm like yeah what you're doing is amazing so People don't even know what my name is, but they walk up to me and just oh. tell me Hoops Genesis, right? Oh. So they call me Hoops Genesis now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thinks I'm so obsessed with it because I'm always wearing Hoops Genesis, my mm. car, my bike, whatever has Hoops in it, somewhere, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Everything I have is Hoops Genesis, customized one way or the other. Mm. So when I get such a question, I'm always thinking, because again, Hoops Genesis vision and mission, which are so interesting, are both again from me, like, basically they are the same they align right yeah what i would like to see in the next five years would be <laughs> i'm not going to, i'm going to try to keep it away from the business <laughs> but i can't but again, i know business, you this is it's my you. life i mean it goes with me right so because through that i'm able to do what i'm supposed to do as a man right mm. <laughs> i'll keep it the business side i would love for hope genesis to be able to touch at least three countries and, and being able to influence different lives that is the goal and of course when it's self when 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 it's feeding itself and of course being partnered up with, um, partnering up with so many different brands to be able to reach the less fortunate i don't care much about companies partnering up with us to give us funds of other things but if they could partner up with us to give us funds to work in the deeper communities mm. i think for me that that would change everything for us you know because like my dream is to to go to Rwanda and go to the villages to teach English using basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's, that's something, teaching mathematics to a few kids using basketball. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean when I say that. So in the next five years, I would pray that we're able to actually do that. For countries. Pretty sure you'll be touching more. But then again, <laughs> what about you? Are you planning to get married? Are you planning to buy a house? Are you planning to... <laughs> I don't She's know. This. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> because <laughs> you're yeah, a human so, being at the end of the day no for me i would love to i would love at some point of course to get married especially in the next five years and mm-hmm. by god's grace have a beautiful baby and obviously be able to set up my own other projects in rwanda like i love farming right so it's one of the things that i'm trying to set up uh, in rwanda Great. marriage farming um, those are the two main things i've been speaking about a lot more lately let, let me end with this because uh, i think you're <laughs> one of the few people that I've interviewed where I'm like muting myself not to cry because you're like you should you you know no come on this is work you know I'll do so afterwards (laughs) but you know what you remind me of I didn't look at the I mean I didn't watch the whole series but I'm reminded of the coach in uh, Friday Night Lights and it is about this coach a football coach who you know the coach that you look up to and you're like damn you're really good you know 
and you just follow i think i follow the series for this guy to listen to his life you know life advice but the series in itself i was like it's okay it's a you know high school thing i i'm in college now i couldn't kill us but but the life lessons and i feel like it's the same for you where people who are younger want to sit with you and like just keep talking just keep you know i don't i don't care what you're talking about if it is politics and life and jokes and because you bring this easy peasy funny but you know tough love at the same time but at the same time hey life goes on i'm reminded that there's some people like that because i think on this side of the world there's so many people thinking about victim and having this victim mentality where i'm like you, you don't even know what problems are like you have no problems they need to be told a few things and it's great to talk with you and it's great to see that childhood and life you know whatever where we started is really not defining who we are and where we're going and that's what i tell people for me is uh, if you learn to forgive you'll understand that life is actually easy it's not easy easy but it gets easier in the sense mm. that for example growing up at some point i was blaming you know my stepmom my dad whatever was happening at home but after a while i understood that it was beyond them it was now me because i realized that at some point in life you have to take responsibility for your life right you can't always blame people and that's why i say even my stepmom and i have actually apologized to one another in the past years i hold zero grudge towards us she we actually she checks on me to see if i'm all right and she also didn't believe that i could actually forgive her she actually didn't take it she thought i was jo- she thought i wasn't serious because she kept asking different people has this guy actually forgiven me like is it real Um, yeah, yeah, because I've spoken to her and that's when I realized I had to cleanse myself because I also had to apologize to her because I mean, I also became rude to her when, you know, when I grew up, you know, things were not, when I realized that I had a little bit of power. Uh, and then I realized, that's why I was asking her what happened, why did you do this and stuff and she had to explain. Yeah, for me, I say forgiveness is everything and the moment you learn to forgive people, the victim mentality will always go away from there. And for me I've always I just don't like people that are always on the victim mentality. To have that victim mentality, I don't like it. I like it irritates me because at some point you have to be responsible for your own life. One way or the other, no matter what has happened to you. Because your goal in this life is to actually change someone else's life, not yourself. This life is not for you. This life is for you to do other things for other people. Want to come? I can tell you if I hear someone complaining, I'll give them your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that's all. That's I'm just saying. Wow. That's why yeah. that's my analogy in coaching. When I'm coaching the kids, mm-hmm. I notice that you're being me, 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 me. I want to be the top scorer. Go down for a few push-ups. Then you'll understand that. Sit yeah, down. You need to <laughs> show the ball. That's why any kid for me, a coach who looks like he wants to be the superstar that day, mm-hmm. will never see the, the light of day the next day. So he has to work hard to actually pass the ball more and play more defense and fight more on the rebounding. And then I'm like, okay, now you can score. Because then it's like, I'm building different things. And if I notice that you're always blaming, you're going to give me a few punishments. You're going to do some push-ups, you're going to do some crunches, you're going to do whatever it is. That body is going to AQ until you understand that life is not just for you. Yeah, that's how it works. That's part. it. That's uh, the word. All right. Thank you a lot. And uh, I hope, I hope, Jesus, open these doors that we can travel to India and eat Indian food. I'm putting this in quotes because it doesn't make sense for you guys. It's always <laughs> Indian food. But I miss sambusas. I mean, uh, real sambusas yeah, and spicy foods. Spicy food, spicy food, all day, every day. 
So yeah. yeah, and to get to see India it, through your eyes, you know, through through yeah. someone else's and with no biases, with no craziness around it, and and talk sports and yeah, see the people you're touching and touching lives and just changing things. So thanks a lot for your time. God bless thanks you. God bless India. Thanks a lot for for giving me the opportunity. Uh, uh, it means a lot to be able to speak. This feels good though. Just openly speaking. Good. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Cheers. Thank man. you so much, man. What you're doing is awesome as well. Keep connecting us. Like you know, it. keep getting some of us who are still here and pushing us up here. That's awesome. Mm. All right. Like, God, keep blessing your, your podcast as well.